Joining us right now is the Houston Astros uh, radio analyst, uh, and that is uh, our friend Steve Sparks. Steve, thank you for taking some time from I know what's a busy Saturday morning for you. Oh, my pleasure, guys. How you all doing? We're doing all right. You're only on with Stan today. Craig Heist is doing another assignment today, uh, but we appreciate the time nonetheless. Um, we've had you on, and we kind of are always effusive in our praise for uh, one Jeff Lunau. How the heck did he pull this off right while the Yankees were playing the Arizona Diamondbacks, and Zach Greinke was essentially pitching against the Yankees, and uh, he pulled off the heist of the year. And I don't mean heist of the year that he didn't give up meaningful product uh, prospects for him, but this is a, an incredible deal. Yeah, you know what? I think they thought the deal was done when when Grinky took the mound uh, at Yankee Stadium the other day. Uh, they didn't feel like uh, the traction was going to get to where they needed it to be, and uh, Grinky took the mound, and they actually had it uh, on in the office when they when they were calling all the teams about you know trying to acquire somebody before the deadline. And lo and behold, they they started to get a little traction with about ten minutes left before the deadline, and they were able to consummate it. They said two minutes. Uh, before it was done. So I guess they had things typed up and, and all ready to go, uh, just whether or not they were going to uh, relent on a couple of their uh, higher-end prospects at the last minute. And they decided, you know what? I mean, this is this is the window. This is yep. the time to uh, put up or shut up. And, and they and they did it. And, uh, man, what a jolt of, of adrenaline and excitement in the clubhouse. I was in there uh, when everybody found out the I'm- news – came through there about 12 minutes after the deadline. And when everybody found out, man, it was just a celebration. Uh, I'll bet it was. I'll bet it was. Now, you find out about that deal, and I can't remember. I thought that the Be a Genie part of the other deal was announced prior to that. Uh, and it, it almost lulled you into sleeping that, oh, they picked up Joe Be a Genie. That's nice. Then all of a sudden it comes out that they get cranky. And then, to me, the real, the real s- sort of – under the radar uh, trade was the one that, that brings Aaron Sanchez, a guy who was 15 and two just three years ago. Yeah, you know what? They've been kind of known for uh, maybe taking a chance on somebody that could be maybe a reclamation project. I mean, I, I don't know if you can say that fully when, when you look at what Sanchez was able to do his last two or three outings uh, with the Blue Jays. But when you look back to a uh, Colin McHugh, who they picked up off the waiver wire, ended up being a, uh, a 19-game winner in the rotation. Uh, they were able to pick up Will Harris, who ended up being an all-star and a real big piece in the bullpen. And then it was the Charlie Morton, the Garrett Cole, the yep. Justin Verlanders, those guys that they feel like, you know what, uh, they like to try to identify things that they do well and see if they can maximize that by throwing certain pitches a little bit more and, and maybe increasing the spin rates that we hear so much about these days. But uh, – I would imagine there's going to be a conversation pretty soon with Sanchez and be a genie too. Um, hey, we love what you do. and We, we acquired you for a reason, but uh, we think you can be even better. And, it, and it'd be really hard uh, for those guys to come in and resist because of the track record they have now. Yeah. I mean, it's fascinating to me. It's one thing in the old days, growing up as a kid, we would always throw out trade ideas and, and look, I've played fantasy baseball for over 30 years, so I'm always making my own trades. And you always say, boy, this guy would be good on my team. But they not only identify players that would be good on their team, they seem to know going into trades how to make those players better 
by, like you say, emphasizing what they do and explaining to them sort of some analytical information. Right. Well, a big part of that, I mean, Mike Elias and Sigma Dell were a big uh, part of what the Astros uh, started to do. And, and I think they, they do a great comprehensive job of, of going through throughout the season and, and all year long is trying to, to value and weight players throughout the league. You know, if they feel like uh, there's areas where they feel like that they can uh, help a, a pitcher or a hitter get a little bit better, uh, they may even weight those a little bit more because uh, they feel like they can take them maybe even to another level. So, I mean, it's a, it's a arduous process, uh, you know, to, to weight everybody. And, and they do a lot of, obviously, with the minor leagues, too. So uh, they've got their guys weighted. And, and if it makes sense, and maybe if you lose just a little bit, but uh, you're in your window to, to go for it and your, your owner's on board to spend a little bit more money, I mean, that's the mode they're in right now. I mean, I'm sure the Orioles are going to get there at some point. Yeah. Uh, you got some brilliant people in your front office now, and uh, you should feel very good about that. Uh, we're talking with Steve Sparks, who's a radio analyst for the uh, Houston Astros. We're broadcasting from the live casino hotel studio. Steve, uh, how many years have you been with the Astros now in the broadcast booth? Yeah, this is my seventh year to do the full-time radio. I was doing pre and post for, for seven years before that so uh, you, on television. But for seven years, and including those those woeful years, uh, two or three years of the 100-loss seasons, uh, where we watched this transformation take place. That's that's what I was alluding to, Was you were, yeah. you, were you down there. How similar, because I, I know you well enough in the f- couple times we've talked, to know that you've got one eye over here in Baltimore, just sort of seeing the progress. Does this does this blueprint look familiar to you? It does. You know what? I mean, it took a lot of things to kind of come together. Uh, and, and Mike knows that. I, I, I know uh, he's so smart. And, and, and me personally, on a personal note, as far as Sig and, and Mike Elias go, I was, I was very sorry to see them go because I know how important they were uh, to this Astros organization. But uh, I think everybody in Baltimore can rest easy knowing that they're, they're going to do things the right way. But there's a lot of things that have to go in place, and you have to draft real well. You have to develop really good. And, and the Astros have done a great job of, of using the, the minor leagues almost as a laboratory to, to find different ways to keep an edge on, on a lot of folks as far as uh, taking chances on their development skills and, and seeing if they can tweak things and uh, seeing a lot of players come out of nowhere and be valuable valuable pieces, if not in the big leagues, and in, in trades and in ways to get the team better. But that's where it all starts. I, I think it's the player development, and the Astros realized that with Jeff Luno uh, a few years ago when he took over the reins and say, hey, if we're going to be able to sustain uh, a really good team, now we're all about we want to win a championship, but if we want to sustain having a, a really good team, it starts with the farm system. and We have to draft well and we have to develop really well. So we need to be on the cutting edge as far as that goes. That word development, it's interesting. You know, people people know that we're going through a rebuild here, but when they see a guy like Ryan Mountcastle at Norfolk and AAA performing well, the instinct is, boy, we're so bad up here at the major league level. Let's bring up our, our best prospect. And these guys know that, that the deal is that they have to finish – their development, so when they come up here, not that they can't make mistakes, but that they're up here to stay, uh, that's vastly different than what we saw 
in, uh, in you know with Mike's predecessor Dan Duquette, who seemed because of the dearth of talent in the organization to always try to rush development. Yeah, I mean that, that's the key is to be patient. Um, I, you know, you, you hate to say this as a former player too, but why start the clock on a particular player? If you're wondering if he's exactly ready, why start the clock on his major league service time before you need to? You know, and, no and question one thing about that it. this team tried to do as well as anything is they tried to ladder these prospects coming up to the big league so they weren't going to become free agents all at the same time. Once the team's good, uh, I think to Kansas City, you know, when they had all those players come up to the big leagues at the same time, their window shut real hard yep. uh, right away. But if you, if you have these guys in free agent, uh, reaching free agency in, you know, maybe one here, then to the next year. And, you know, if you spread them out and there's a ladder there, yep. uh, it's a lot easier to, to swallow. We're talking with Steve Sparks, who's part of the Houston Astros radio um, uh, team. He does the analysis on their broadcast. So when will Greinke make his first Astros start? He's going to pitch Tuesday, and oddly enough, it's going to be against the Colorado Rockies, a team that's been in his division for the last few years <laughs> uh, with the Dodgers and with the Diamondbacks. So a familiar foe for Greinke, so maybe a little easy footing as far as uh, trying to get ready and prepare for a start. You're not going to have to at least know new hitters in that first one, but uh, we're looking forward to it. I mean, what a, what a craftsman he is and somebody that used to throw 95, 96, who is still as good as he ever was pitching it at 90 miles per hour because of the change of speed, the location, the creativity. And uh, I mean, this organization is very excited right now because they feel like they, they added probably a third ace to their rotation. And, no no uh, we question about it. We were kind of thinking, putting our heads together yesterday, how many teams even have one ace? Yep. And we think it's 10 or less. And it, the Astros probably have, have three of the, the dozen aces around baseball right now. Got to ask you something. You, you know Jeff Lunau pretty well and how he operates. Is the fact that these trades were announced right at 4 o'clock, you know, or five minutes after 4 o'clock at the deadline, is that part of how he thinks? In other words, he didn't make a deal at 2 o'clock and give Brian uh, Cashman or uh, yeah. Andrew Freeman two hours to say, well, wait a minute, they picked up Granky. We better up our offer for uh, Bumgarner or something like that. I, I think they would love to be able to plan it out. <laughs> and for that to be the case. Right. But I think it's more coincidence than anything else. I mean, you're just trying to get the best deal you can, and sometimes you just have to wait till the last second and, and not try to worry about what else everybody else is doing. If you concentrate on your team and try to get better and, and fortify yourself for, for a post a long postseason run, then uh, that's great. But as far as the other team's not doing anything, yeah. that was just a – Coincidence. I'm not going to say stroke of luck, but that yeah. was just kind of a nice little coincidence that the, I think that the Astros were saying, you know, before that deal got done, at the very least, it didn't look like anybody else was going to do anything. And then, bam. And yeah. then that was just the, the extra punch that the Astros felt like uh, maybe got a little advantage over the other teams. Yeah. Uh, we're talking to Steve Sparks. Steve, just a couple more minutes. Uh, do, you, sure. do you envision that they will use Aaron Sanchez as a starter now or do you think they have something different in mind for him, a la sort of the way McHugh was used when he was a relief pitcher or Peacock right. when he was a relief pitcher? 
Uh, that's a great question. So he's going to start tonight. Sanchez pitches for the Astros tonight against the Seattle Mariners. Uh, I, I believe uh, going forward, that that's the plan. Peacock's on the injured list right now. Yep. And, and when they acquired another starting pitcher, their, their plan now is to, to ramp him up in his rehab uh, outings as a relief pitcher. So Peacock, very valuable coming out of the bullpen. He's a great matchup guy against righties and lefties. And then Sanchez going forward, <clears throat> I think – in the playoff situation, if it started right now, I think Sanchez would go to the bullpen yep. because of what he can give you as far as a different look, you know, 95 sinking you know, a lot of ground balls. Uh, he can overpower at times. Uh, and then next year going forward, uh, <clears throat> I'm not sure that they can anticipate re-signing Garrett Cole. He, you know, people are going to back up the truck this off. Sure. So, uh, that was a nice little fallback plan for the Astros, knowing that you're going to have Grinky and San- Sanchez to fall back to. With Lance McCullers coming back from Tommy John surgery in Verlander, they feel like that they can stack up pretty well again next year. Question about Sanchez. You've watched him because you're doing <laughs> these games, so you see him quite a bit. Is it yeah. a possibility with the finger issues that he's had with breaking the nail and the blisters that he actually may be better suited to being a sort of a middle-inning monster? Well, yeah, you know, but whenever you're 27, 28 years old, you don't want to think in those yeah, terms, especially yeah. before you get to free agency. And I think a lot of times people come to a culture that the Astros are in the middle of right now uh, with all the postseason runs is you're, you're good to do anything it takes, especially this time of year, uh, to help the team win. I mean, everyone, everybody wants the ring. Uh, everybody comes very selfless uh, mm-hmm. in, in organizations like this right now. So, uh, whatever it takes, I think, when, once he gets to it. But I think going into spring training, there will probably be a talk or two about him uh, or whether it's his agent or, or him talking about, hey, going forward, uh, we'd really like Aaron to be a starter. And I think the Astros are all for that. You yeah. know, they, they feel like he, you know, getting 170 innings out of somebody yeah. uh, can help a lot. It, but the finger issues, uh, I agree. I mean, you have to start thinking about how can we keep him healthy? How can he serve us best because we need him on the field? Yeah. Uh, tell me about the uh, the trade for Martin Maldonado. I think you guys had him when you won the World Series. Uh, I think you had him. Did you have him the year you won the World Series, or was it last no, year? No, they had him last year. Last they got year. him at the trade deadline. Uh, yeah, back-to-back years. That's right. Now. So their feeling was is they had Robinson Torinos and the younger catcher in Max Staffy right. and even a younger catcher in AAA. So if anything happened to Torinos, they were worried about an inexperience in the postseason. Yep. So to bring on Maldonado, who's familiar with all the pitchers on the staff already and was very popular, uh, it just made sense to them. Just a, a little insurance there, but at the same time, somebody that's they cut down the running game. Last yeah. year, the Astros got him because they were going to play Boston and Cleveland, uh, two of the most uh, speedy teams in the league as far as stolen bases go, and he shut down the running game, and that's exactly what they were looking for. Tell me real quick before we let you go, I know it's still 55, 56 games left to play, so you can't predict health of the team. How much was the health issue of the Astros in in the entirety going into the playoffs why they weren't victorious last year? You know what? I mean, I mean, I think everybody to a man just realized, you know, they, they took their – they tipped their cap. They said Boston mm-hmm. was better than us. Yep. Now, us on the other end, we're looking down on the field and we're seeing Altuve on one leg and, and Correa looking like a shell of himself because of his back issues. 
And those are two very important pieces for the team. But I tell you what, Boston looked a lot like the Astros did yeah. in 2017. I mean, they were really good. They got on a roll and they outplayed the Astros. And I think, you know, the Astros fought long and hard about it all off season long, and they've come out pretty hungry. Uh, but still, still very respectful of that Boston Red Sox team. Before I let you go, I was doing wanted to look up a little research on you last night, just to refamiliarize myself with uh, uh, sort of when you played in the big leagues and all that. And I see this article uh-huh. from March the fourteenth uh, of two th- of of uh, nineteen, uh, March fourteenth of of two thousand nineteen, and it was talking about the twenty fifth anniversary of something you did that was a little foolish. Uh, oh, yeah. Are you, are you bashful about talking about your no, – uh, I've talked about it for 25 years, Dan. Tell, tell our audience a little bit about what you did 25 years ago, Steve Sparks. Well, this is in a nutshell. I'd spent eight years uh, in the <laughs> minor leagues to this point before I got my first invite to the major leagues. And I was in, in spring training, and our general manager at the time was Sal Bando. Uh, and he brought in this group early on in spring training, and – uh, they were one of those motivational groups that, that like to inspire you uh, with some different feats of strength. And one of them was bending the, the bars with their teeth, and mm-hmm. uh, they blew up the hot water bottles, and they exploded. And one of the other things was they'd tear phone books, and they made it look like just a single sheet of paper. Right. So that happens, and the next day we have a rain delay. So I, I remember I was talking to Mike Fetters and Jesse Orozco. We were in the clubhouse, and we were just having to talk about those guys and laughing about all the stuff that they did. And lo and behold, this is back in the days when we had a pay phone in our clubhouse yeah. in spring training. There were some phone books over there. So we each grabbed one, and we were trying to see if there was a trick to it. And we were just talking for about five minutes. Nobody could get it going. But after five minutes, I got a, a few of mine started. And once you get it started, right, you can actually make a little progress. Right. So that's what I did. I, I stood up once I, I started getting it going a little bit, a quarter of the way maybe, and everybody started chanting my name. And uh, I went a little further and I dislocated my left shoulder. <laughs> dislocated my left shoulder. So the story came out that I got so hyped up when those guys came in that I jumped up on stage with them and, and tore my throwing shoulder. So that's the way the story has come out forever. Right. It's been on the back of baseball cards. It comes out on a list every time there's a, a stupid injury, whatever sport. They'll list the top ten, and I vacillate between four and seven. Right. Uh, and I'll get college college teammates, uh, minor league, major league teammates that always send me the new list, but I'm yep. always in there in the top ten uh, for that stupidity. Next day, I get sent back out down to the minor league. Uh, don't miss any time. I, I pitched with a harness the rest of the year, but it wasn't my throwing arm, but I missed a, an extra year uh, in the major leagues because of it. And did your wife look at you like you were an idiot? She did, yeah, and she still does. <laughs> we'll be married 30 years here pretty soon, and uh, things haven't changed. Now, did that have anything to do with your go- going to a knuckleball? It didn't. I'd already made that You'd already made that by change. that point. But uh, obviously it didn't help uh, matters as far as my uh, standing in, in the uh, Major League Clubhouse, especially with our manager, Phil Garner. Well, it's all turned out pretty well for you. I know you do a terrific job. I'll look forward to meeting you for the first time. You guys are in town next weekend. Sounds good. Look forward to seeing you guys. Steve, thanks for your time, as always. You got it. Okay, there you go, Steve Sparks.